Hello, welcome to today's episode of Juicing the Numbers, your statistics and sports podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Joshua Tracy. And I am one of your hosts, Corwin Heller. And uh, if Corwin sounds a little bit funky, it's because we're doing this guerrilla style to make sure we get it to you. Podcast of the people here. Don't take no money, don't take no shit. That's our slogan that we came up with in yes, episode 270-something. Uh, uh-huh. I don't even but, uh, have a good excuse. Fuck no. my roommate for not paying our internet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the joys of cohabitating with irresponsible semi-adults. Um... <laughs> Also, uh, Corbin can't see me because of this whole Wi-Fi situation he's found himself in, but I'm currently wearing a sweater because moments before we started recording, I remembered that the shirt I was wearing was the same shirt I wore the last time we'd recorded. It had been washed, but there's no way anyone would know that. I really didn't feel like <laughs> having it look weird in like the thumbnails on YouTube or whatever, even though no one goes there, it'd feel bad for me. So I hastily threw on a sweater over top of it. And let me tell you, folks, it is not sweater sweater weather in this apartment. So. Um, if I look a little bit shiny, you know why. It is sweater weather in my apartment, so I am wearing a sweater, and I'm wearing it comfortably. Ah, yes, but I, I've got a good 40 pounds on you, <laughs> so our mm. sweater weathers might be a little bit different. Mm. Uh, Josh, I would say you definitely have more than 40 pounds on me. I, I, I take that as being... very small. I take that as yeah, I was gonna say I take that as being self-deprecating <laughs> yeah. rather than insulting because they could really go. Yes. If I didn't know you, I would take that as being insulting, but I know you, so if, I take that as self-deprecating. You did not. If you visually have never watched this podcast on YouTube, you think I am just a major asshole, which you still <laughs> should, just not in this instance. You're not wrong. You used the wrong equation, but you came up with the right answer. <laughs> anyway. Perfect. We're, uh, we're a little bit pressed for time today. That doesn't mean much in, in our world because we run long consistently and, and forever. Uh, but we're going to jump right on into things. And really, the main focus of all of today's episode is, is going to be the Mets. What else would it be? The Mets. Um, if you've been anywhere near social media or not even the news, baseball, sports talk, radio, pick your fucking poison you have heard about the Mets and I was planning along with Corwin to talk about the Mets today kind of regardless and then lo and behold here on the day of our Lord September 1st 2021 the Mets inserted themselves into the news yet again not wanting to go into a long weekend without a headline and so we have even more Mets shit to talk about which is genuinely astonishing So, Corwin, I guess the best way to do this would be chronologically? Uh, That would make the most sense to me, yeah. Okay. So, the, 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 the OG reason why the Mets have entered the news as of late is because sometime in early August, I think people were saying around like August 6th, the Mets had started doing a thumbs down gesture when they got on base as their like, you know, little um, sign hand gesture thing back to the dugout. Basically every team has this. If you're a Yankees fan, it's the uh, perpendicular arms thing where you punch yourself in the the elbow. Um, You know, every, every team has some version of it and the Mets is Mets adopted a thumbs down at some point. Um, 
And you see Francisco Lindor do it, Javier Baez, uh, Kevin Pillar, you know, they got on base, they did it. No one really noticed, though, up until this week, in part because the Mets have just been bad for uh, most of August, as Corwin and I said they would because of that ridiculous stretch that they had. But after it ended up happening... They've been bad for the entirety of our lifetime. They uh, went to a World Series, and they've been bad for the entirety of our lifetime. Honestly, the fact that they went to that World Series is so easily glossed over by the colossal failure the rest of their seasons between them have been. Uh-huh. Oh, God. So, anyway, Javi Baez then explained the thumbs down uh, last week, early this past week in a uh, post-game press conference, basically saying, um, hey, getting booed sucks, and the fans don't want to root for us when we're playing poorly. So when we're playing well, we're going to do our version of booing them, which is the thumbs down, something like that, all intents and purposes. And predictably, a lot of sports media went ballistic. Uh, Talking about the disrespect that Javi Baez and Francisco Lindor have been showing their fans by daring to uh, thumbs down the people who, in a roundabout accounting fashion, pay their salaries. Um, Obviously, it's been discussed ad nauseum in the past week, but hey, it's our turn to jump on that bandwagon. This is a biweekly podcast, and we missed it, so fucking deal with it. Corbin, what was your reaction to this story? What what does it make you feel? Just, I mean, purely the first time I heard it was just like, why is this? Why is this an issue? Not why do we care that Javi Baez is essentially booing the fans? But why would he ever boo the fans by giving them a thumbs down, which in itself is just such a simple thing and not at all really connected. You could have lied so easily. Just, there's an infinite number of things you could have said that everyone would have just been a, collectively been like, yeah, okay. And no one have, ever would have given a second thought. And nobody would have ever heard of it because nobody would have cared because it would have been such a simple thing to say. But instead, he just shoves his foot like eight inches down his mouth and just is stuck with this catastrophe of a PR event. And it's so pointless. I'm sure every player hates fans that are just menacing them with booze when they're playing poorly. Like, we know you're better. He knows he's better. He doesn't want to play bad. Those booze just are, you know, um, it's just like kicking, on, kicking him while he's down. And my goodness, I just don't get why he would just be so open about being just so against fans at this level. Just come on. Why why is this an issue? Why is this the issue we have to fight about? Well, yeah. So my my take on it is is twofold. And the first part of it is is a little bit which what you had just said, which is um, Javi, you didn't need to say it. Not not saying you shouldn't have said it or whatever, but you, you definitely didn't need to. Um, and I think for Javi, the booing might be might have a certain effect 
because he's coming from from his hometown team, well, not his hometown, team, but like you know his 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 OG team where he was an all star and you know one of the faces of the franchise. And there's not a big booing culture in Chicago the same way there is with New York. There's not really a booing culture anywhere the way that there is in New York. Um, I'm not saying for good or for bad. I'm just saying it is. And for him to go from that to to go from a fourth place team to a, oh let's check the standings here hmm, look at that a fourth oh sorry third place team um, I where he's also has not been playing super well and been getting booed I can understand his frustrations that the fans are perhaps not as forgiving as maybe the Chicago Cubs fans that he had were. And I also don't blame him for being agitated on the anybody does. And I don't even blame him for having the sign. Uh, should he have said anything? Probably not, because what's it, what's it going to get you? But the idea that the the players should be indebted into the to the fans for some reason and not express their frustrations in what is otherwise an immensely harmless fashion, I think is kind of ridiculous. Because, look, think about this if you're a Mets fan. Imagine that that this stupid thing was the thing that like unified and congealed the Mets and you were and they were finally able to rally around this and feel like they were an underdog to something that had happens to be mm-hmm. you, the fan, but whatever. And they can rally around that and feel like they're giving a big fuck you to somebody by winning. Do you really care who that fuck you was to as long as they are winning? Like, if, if this is the thing that brings the whole locker room together and they get a kick out of and they have fun with, do you really give a shit if it's at your expense a little bit? Right? Uh, yeah. I mean, if I was a Mets fan and he was giving us the middle finger, I don't think I'd even give a shit to begin with. I'd probably care in the sense of, Hey, don't be a dick. But guess what? If they started winning, I don't give a shit regardless. Do whatever you want. I don't care. You have a bad attitude about it? Sure, I'm going to hate you for having a bad attitude. Hate's a strong word. I'll be annoyed by you for having a bad attitude. But at the end of the day, you're winning, so I'm still going to root for you. I root for the jersey, not the players. Mo- yeah, nine times out of ten. Right. For the most part. Yeah. yeah. And honestly, even if they're playing poorly, who just who who get why why get your your panties in a bunch over this? Like if it bothers you that much, don't go to the games. Don't watch the team. This team doesn't have to be like if you like baseball and you're a Mets fan, chances are you're watching the games no matter what. I'm and I mean this is just so fucking inconsequential. No one noticed it for almost three weeks. Who the fuck cares? Who gives a shit? I mean, honestly, not me. No, no. And also a thumbs down. The New York media is getting their 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 fucking panties in a bunch over a fucking thumbs down. I joked about it on Twitter. But if you ever driven the major Deegan during rush hour, a thumbs down is a high five. A thumbs down is polite. Jesus Christ. It's I mean, just, it, at the end of the day, who cares? Like, and who cares? No, I, that's not even what I wanted to say. At the end of the day, do something exciting. Who cares about a thumbs down? Flip us off. Do the yeah. jerk off motion in the air. 
fucking pull your pants down and moon us. Amir Garrett and fight the whole fight the whole audience. Yeah, dude, jump into the stands. Hell yeah. Malice at the palace, baby. Malice Let's at fucking City Field. Go. The situation at City. Boom. God, it is just but amazing. Instead we're, instead, we're here. And so uh that brings us to the Mets response to this, which was uh, a little bit bizarre. So Sandy Alderson, who uh, used to work for the Mets and then stopped working for the Mets and then is working for the Mets again, is currently, uh, I don't know his actual position. I think he's, I think he's president of the Mets. It's one of those high ranking positions where, it, it sounds like he's basically a GM, but they actually had a GM. So I guess he's not a GM, you know, one of those guys, but a high ranking person in the Mets released a statement on medium.com, which is absolutely fucking hilarious. And his uh, statement goes as such in a post game conference today, Javi Baez stated that his thumbs down gesture during the game was a message to fans who recently have booed him and other players for poor performance. These comments and any gestures by him or other players with a similar intent are totally unacceptable and will not be tolerated. Mets fans are understandably frustrated over the team's recent performance. The players and the organization are equally frustrated, but fans at City Field have every right to express their own disappointment. Booing is every fan's right. The Mets will not tolerate any player gesture that is unprofessional in its meaning or its or is directed in a negative way toward our fans. I will be meeting with our players and staff to convey this message directly. Mets fans are loyal, passionate, knowledgeable, and more willing to express themselves. More than willing, I should say. We love them for every one of these qualities. Now, that is a fucking bizarre statement. Because, again, we're talking about a thumbs down, and this is a team that actively pursued Trevor fucking Bauer. And granted, <laughs> Bauer's, uh, you know, legal standing was not what it is today as a result of, of a sexual assault charge that he's caught since being on the Dodgers. But there were still many, many signs of concern in that regard. Additionally, the Mets don't have a great track record, even within their own organization in the past 12 months. They had to fire Jared Porter for something significantly more heinous. The fact that the Mets front office is coming down so hard and so publicly on the players for expressing their own disappointment with the way, the way they've been treated by a bunch of drunk Queens people. Uh, it's, it definitely isn't going to make that locker room any happier. I, 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 I fail to see the point in this. Mm-hmm. It's almost as if this event in and of itself, is just the most Mets thing possible. You know, a player being just put on trial for booing his own fans. And then because they're the Mets, they had to put out the most Mets response ever, which is just, we won't even accept this in any capacity, even though we kind of do it all the time. How unprofessional to issue a thumbs down to these loyal, cheering, drunk assholes on a Tuesday night. (laughs) Oh, my God. Dude, there's so many worse things. This is just such a bizarre thing to get your fucking 
guts twisted about. I don't get it. And just why come down mm-hmm. on the players so publicly, which has been a theme of this Mets organization this whole year. Remember, uh, what, a handful of weeks ago, no, two, three weeks ago, when Steve Cohen hopped on Twitter and was talking about talking cash shit about the Mets uh, plate approach when he was like, uh, oh, these are such non-competitive at-bats for a professional hitter or some shit like that. Remember that? No. Yeah, it was, it was, and everyone was going to ship, like, you just traded for Javi Baez, one of the worst plate disciplined players in all of MLB. What were you expecting? Um, but, like, it was just so odd that he would, again, criticize the team and their poor performance so publicly on Twitter. And here's just a continuation of that by doing the same thing via Sandy Alderson on medium.com. Um, but it's, it's once again, it, it God, just... I, I, I do think we should reiterate how funny it is that medium.com got the scoop. Like it's an open source publishing platform. Right? It's so weird. Like the, the fact <laughs> that this isn't just a notes app screenshot onto Twitter is actually bizarre. That's all this needed to be. And instead it's a post on the official blog of the New York Mets on medium.com. <laughs> oh God, they're so fucked. It's yeah, yeah, yep. It's it's just I can't get over how little it feels as though anything has changed from the Wilpon era, because it this feels so Wilponish to me. This public Mm -hmm. shaming about old man shit, you know, like this feels very. Like I'm pretty sure the Mets basically did this at some point in time to Yuenes Cespedes where they just like shat on him publicly because he, I don't know, wasn't coming back from injury fast enough or did something they didn't like. Like, I, like they definitely did this to him at some point. And here they are still a doing it, just going after their players for doing something, which look, we're not saying we have to agree with, but it's not, it's hardly consequential. And uh, they're dragging their own guys for, for what, for what reason? Because the Mets just have this deal with the devil where they just perpetually have to be the Mets. Like, it's the oldest joke. It's such a cliche. I'm bored saying it every 15 minutes recording this. But until it stops being true, I can't. Yeah, that's the astonishing part about it. And it's amazing how a mediocre Mets season feels so much worse. Like this season for the Mets feels so much worse than the Orioles season. Or even like uh, in terms of sheer disappointment, even more disappointed than the Padres season. Like this is just a bad year for the Mets because of their on-field collapse and their off-the-field consistent distractions, which is usually some form of conflict between the players and somebody or the front office and somebody. And it's astonishing because like I said, you know, a handful of minutes ago, the fact that the Mets made the world series within the last 10 years feels like a blip in the radar as compared to how tragically awful and ashamed this uh, franchise should be and feel as compared to the, Mm -hmm. you know, again, like the Padres or the Rockies who haven't even, I mean, the Rockies have never made the World Series and the Padres haven't been there since fucking 96. 
you know, but like I, but for some reason, the Mets have this special place in suckitude and cringiness that just eclipses, I think, every other perennially bad team because of how astonishing the scope of it all is. Which I guess uh, we can use to segue us into the next bit. You ready to talk about the next part of the Mets saga? Yeah. So the bit that happens, so that's all this past week. And, you know, yesterday or so, uh, it's all getting fuzzy up up here. Um, The Mets players were joking around with some of the fans. Some of the fans started issuing them thumbs ups from the from the stands uh, or from some uh, one on one ish interactions that they'd had. You know, there's a video going around of. Francisco Lindor having interaction with a fan where he was like, all thumbs up, buddy. There's some shit like that. And, uh, you know, just you, you think you're putting it behind you. You know, the, the Mets had a couple of rally wins and, you know, their shot. The playoffs is still suspect at best, but I guess not, not present five and a half games back. And yet, when the players stop being the center of attention, we must shift our focus over to the front office. As uh, this morning, New York Mets GM Zach Scott was arrested for allegedly drunk driving. Uh, he was at the Connecticut home of Steve Cohen and got uh, for a fundraiser for the Amazing Mets Foundation. And he was driving home and ended up getting arrested, I think, somewhere around uh, White Plains. Uh, and it is. I, I, I understand that to a certain extent, people might not think drunk driving is the worst thing, maybe initially, because if you have one beer, you can you can you can drive like like you, there's limits to it and everyone is uh, I think probably driven to some extent after having some level of alcohol but it's so serious to mm-hmm. drive it's one of the main uh, ways in which lethal accidents happen on the road it's and it's 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 a leading cause of, of injury and and death and fatality while you're while people are driving and one of the things that makes it so detrimental to society is that you don't have to be drunk or have had a single drink to be a victim of drunk driving. It, it's not something that exclusively affects the driver. It affects everybody on the road. And I understand that it might not be as severe as some of the other things that the Mets front office have had to deal with, again, very recently, looking at Jared Porter. But it it's still, I mean, an awful series of decision-making. And I think what makes this feel so much worse to me, and I'd like to hear obviously your opinion on it, Corwin, is that he was Mm -hmm. leaving Steve Cohen's house. And Steve Cohen, and presumably the entire Mets front office being there, all let it happen. What I actually saw was that the event ended at like 8.30, the fundraiser, and the arrest took place at like 4.30 in the morning. So it wasn't directly coming from there. That's just where he was that night. Gotcha. This okay. was also from John Heyman. So I don't know how much I believe Ooh, this. No, I just checked Twitter and I now see actually that same thing from Jeff Passan. Okay. I believe the Passan. The Passman, I trust. The Heyman, I do not. No one should trust John Heyman. 
Oh, regardless. I mean, so now the, the, the Mets are, are GM less as a result, once again, of some horrible culture and decision making from from the Mets top dog in the organization. I mean, what do you even do from here? I mean, clearly, if I was in charge, I would need to make a serious push to completely change the culture of the New York Mets. Seeing as the New York Mets are, at least I should say that at least since Cohen has not really shown any desire to change that culture, and if he has said so, the answers or, you know, the results haven't been there. The action hasn't been there. I just, there needs to be like serious, serious change. Obviously, you know, that's easier said than done, but my goodness, like there needs to be some serious steps taken to make a difference because it's not going anywhere. It can't keep going like this. God. And it it's it's so difficult because you know, you can you can lie to yourself a little bit as a regular everyday citizen and say to yourself my vote my vote counts and I am participating mm-hmm. in in an electoral process that represents me and change for my country. And when you see an unpleasant headline, as we have had many of just today, you can lie to yourself a little bit and say things will improve because um, I'm a good person and my 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 part in the electoral process is meaningful. You can't do that in sports. There's no avenue really outside of, I don't know, a fucking petition.com or whatever petition, a change.org petition for, for you to influence change on a micro level in your organization. There, there's macro things you can do. You know, you can go actually out to the Mets front office and pick it, you know, but there's there's no small adjustments that can be made unless you live in the area and it's geographically convenient and for you to, to go actually physically get up and go do something, um, which will of course get ignored anyway, but you could, then you're, you're, you're fucked. If you're a Mets fan who lives in like South Jersey, you know, a good four hours from the fucking mm-hmm. stadium, the fuck are you going to do? There's nothing you can do. And that's the frustrating part about it because it seems like the Mets are just going off the rails and you thought, that with the will ponds gone, things would be different. And Steve Cohen's got all this money. He'll spend it wisely. No, he hasn't. He's uh, he's got businessman experience going to run the Mets like a business. And he is in that uh, this guy felt like he could party all night as uh, you know, GM of the Mets. And instead of calling himself a driver, which again, he's the GM of the Mets. How do you not have a driver? Um, he got loaded and decided to drive himself around. And, on, on top of that, on like the 10th of August, he gave a speech to the clubhouse basically saying how they need to, you know, it was a talk about vaccinations and things like that and how they need to be accountable for, you know, their health and their careers. And that needs to be something that they all think about and and focus towards, you know, for the season and whatnot. And then here we are, not even, you know, three weeks later talking about that one. 
Oh, God. Yeah, I've just been scrolling through the baseball subreddit, just looking at all the posts about how this guy's a fucking great asshole. And it's not surprising because I, I don't think he was an external hire, if I recall correctly. I believe he was an internal promotion in the wake of the Jared Porter thing. And the thing is, that's part of the problem. If you have built a culture where a guy like Jared Porter or any of the guys in the Houston Astros back when um, what's his fucking face got canned, that assistant GM. And, and that culture persists and everyone shares that mindset because, again, you have built an environment where that it is conducive towards people thinking like that. Then firing the one guy and promoting another guy, is it's, it's not going to get you anywhere. You, you, you fired one guy who has that mode of thinking and then just promoted a guy who worked with him very closely and may very well share that same mode of thinking. And apparently that's mm-hmm. basically where the Mets are because you know who was around for a lot of the really scrappy, shitty Mets years? Sandy Alderson. You know who was around for uh, the whole entire of the Jared Porter incident? Zach Scott. There's a lot of people. It's the same fucking people that are just fucking you around. And the only difference between Steve Cohen and every other jackass owner in the league is that he is worth over a billion dollars and has a Twitter account. And guess what? He probably shouldn't have the Twitter account. He definitely shouldn't have the billion dollars. You know, let's eat the rich. But he probably shouldn't have that Twitter account either because the man does himself not a single favor. I, I mean, it's shocking. And where's the Mets response? Where's the MetsMedium.com post about how the, these actions of the GM don't reflect the Mets and, and the, he's got a, our front office has to be better. It's disrespectful to the fans. It's dangerous behavior. Where's that fucking medium.com post? I, just, I mean, I know how much Steve Cohen loves Twitter and if he could just tweet out a thumbs down emoji and just not give any other statement beyond that would be perfect. It would be Mets through and through but it would be perfect that would genuinely be hilarious i would appreciate that level of trolling Mm. oh mets if you're gonna be shit at least make it funny i know because this is because it's it's real shit you know like like the the thumbs down thing we can kind of be a little bit lighthearted about It's, it's stupid as shit and obviously sandy alderson i don't think comes from a place of good intention when he's puts out messages like that um they're very anti-labor, you know, and I, I think because of how how many of the players were, were non-white, you could, I think it's very easy to draw a line that is that is racial there as well. But I mean, with stuff like 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 this with drunk driving, I mean, where's the where's the seriousness with that? Where's all your goddamn holier than thou bullshit with this? Where's Steve Cohen's Twitter posts about this fucking asshole? I don't get it. If you feel so comfortable openly disrespecting the players on the goddamn field, how about you bring that same energy to when your people in the front office actually do some even worse real life fucked up shit? I mean, it doesn't make any fucking sense. God damn it. It doesn't make any sense. Nope. Not even a little. But that's what makes them the Mets. That's what makes them the Mets. Oh. And I got to tell you, man, if the Mets go on a run and end up making the playoffs, how attached can you even feel if you're a fan at this point? Because depending on how you felt about the thumbs down situation, 
you might be rubbed the wrong way from that. If that didn't bother you, because you're an old school, hard nosed baseball fan, and you know all the all the coded language you could think of, then the front office thing has to piss you off. And if neither of those things piss you off, your team also blew like a seven, eight game lead in the division in like under a month. And you'd be on the outside looking in, barely fighting your way in. Like, how do you root for this team, no matter what type of fan you are, even if they do make a run? I mean, it's it's hideous. I'm right there with you. Uh, I mean, there's a reason I'm not a Mets fan. This isn't one of them, but it would be. It's just they this is why they need to really make these changes from the ground up and just complete just oh god I don't I forgot the vocab word immediately just massive sweeping change because otherwise it's just not gonna change like trying to make these incremental changes these little itty bitty adjustments while the system itself is broken in the Mets organization it's all just gonna fall back to the status quo it's funny you say that because one of my first reactions when I was thinking about, you know, what would I do was, uh, you know, I think a thing a lot of people run to when there's horror stories from front offices and that's sell the team, you know, for, force the Mets owners to sell mm-hmm. the team. And then I remember, no, they just, this is the first season of a new owner. That's mm-hmm. not even an option, really. I mean, what would it, what would it change? Because you're right. They, they need real change, not just ownership change. Ownership like- came in and said, hey, we love it. Keep doing what you're doing. The reason you call for ownership change is so that they can change the culture. They can make these sweeping changes. Changing the owner, one guy at the top, isn't going to change the system unless they go out of their way to change the system. Cohen can still do that. You know, it's not completely lost for him. It's it's not. And I think it, it depends on how much he wants to be insulated from public opinion or actually listen and try to internalize and understand because there's, there's a lot of really, really great, great Mets fans who are smart people in in all fan bases, of course. Um, But with the Mets, like a lot of really great writers who do a lot of really great work and not only talk about what the, the team needs, you know, in terms of X's and O's, so to speak, but also in terms of cultural changes and what the Mets need to do as an organization to be a better functioning machine and to be more inclusive and to avoid many of these systemic issues that they've had that has caused them to be such a fucking basket case. The problem is Steve Cohen, I don't think either is used to hearing that because when you run a hedge fund and nonetheless without a Twitter, you're not going to hear from a common man. You know, you're going to hear from other wealthy people. It's not even a regular bank where you might get a, a, a small time guy with only a savings of like a hundred grand. You're, you're, you're a hedge fund. Your, your investments probably don't even start unless you got 10 mil just chilling in a fucking IRA. So it depends on where he wants to take this. Because if he wants to actually engage with fans and hear and try to understand, well, then maybe he can be a guy that brings about change. I'd be shocked, but he could do it. But if he wants to insulate himself and just bring in a bunch of good old boys that have been in the industry for 20 years because he wants to own a team for style points and not actually give a damn, which Mm -hmm. I think so far is mostly the case outside of the black jerseys. I don't know what else he's really done. that it seems to have made any type of impact. 
then I mean, nothing's gonna nothing's gonna change, and you're gonna find yourself in these bizarro headline uh, headlines every every single week, or at least every month until something until you do something about it. And will they? Well, if if they're going to this off season is the time to do it. And I know someone might mm-hmm. say, why wait to the off season? But at the same time, we all know that most of the time these things happen in the off season anyway. So just whatever, because look, you're, you're probably not going to make the playoffs. So Luis Rojas, Rojas is probably gone. Uh, Sandy Olsen came in and got you nowhere closer to the playoffs than you were before he was here. You can, you can fire him for baseball reasons, not even for bad person reasons. And then once he's gone, actually do a real interview, bring in someone good, and then have that person clear house and actually try to make some real organizational change. I mean, this shouldn't, this, this type of shit shouldn't happen. And obviously we can say that was great ease from the outside, but, but, but still there, there must be processes from within. I, this is not a normal occurrence for, for most other businesses, you know? Mm-hmm. I just don't have a whole lot of hope. They haven't give the Mets have not given much reason to to give hope in the past uh, 20, 20 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Shall we move on from the Mets? I think we we have to. There's only so much sadness we can discuss. Well, uh, don't don't you touch that dial because I, I do have one more um, sad kind of topic before we move on to our uh, concluding fun fact of the day, and uh, that is it has been circulating uh, around insider Twitter reporter sphere that the potential punishment for Trevor Bauer being discussed behind the scenes in MLB is that he will be suspended for two years. Now, the typical domestic violence suspension in MLB is 81 games. It's half a season. So two years would be you know, basically three times as long as a standard domestic violence um, suspension. However, I don't get it. I, I don't understand why you'd let him keep playing because it's not as right. He has no right to play baseball. He has no right to stay in the league if you don't want him to. And I understand that two years is a long time. And obviously the MLB players union will have things to say. And I suppose they have to defend their guy. I also don't really know how that works. If he can be kicked out of that union because boy, howdy, it seems like he should be. Uh, Yeah. But I man, would could you imagine where this country would be if unions had the balls to kick out the bad apples? Oh God, I could think of at least one gigantic budgetary suck that would uh, change. Oh, <laughs> they might not, but I'd like to think they would on the inside. <laughs> and I'm gonna get, I'm gonna keep getting mad about this forever. But I don't understand why MLB won't put their fucking foot down. I don't understand it. What does he have to do? What does anybody, not even him, fuck, fuck him. What does anybody have to do to get kicked out of the league? Full? Does he, do we have to wait till he fucking, till someone fucking kills somebody? Is that what we have to do? 
We have to wait till there's a fucking body? This isn't bad enough to kick somebody out of baseball forever? I, yeah, I get it. Two years is a long time. And I get it. Like I said, you probably have to go through the union for this type of shit. I got it. Why isn't the potential punishment being discussed in the MLB circle a lifetime suspension from the goddamn sport? Why are we pussyfooting around this? How serious does this shit have to get? The 81-game suspension for DV is already not long enough. Why? Why? Yeah. Why? I, I do not have an answer for you. And I know you won't. And that's why I figured I'd just squeeze this in now instead of making a bigger episode out of it because it's only just going to be me and you being incredulous and upset and having no real answers for anything um, outside of the lame answers of, well, they probably have to go through the union and you know, shit like that. So it's, it's not worth the time of a whole episode because uh, what else is there to really say? But fuck, man. I don't know what he has to do, or again, not even just him, what anybody has to do to get kicked out of baseball. We're getting signed fucking letters on medium.com about players giving thumbs down and how disrespectful that is to fans. But Trevor Brower can crack a skull of a woman who put enough faith in him to sleep with him and he can come back to the league in two years and just keep it moving. We're cool with that. Some yeah, poor dude, fans have to root for that in two years. Fuck that. Oh, I fucking hate it. Really, truly despise it in every fashion. If you're not going to make an example out of this, what the fuck are you going to make an example out of? I, 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 I don't understand it. No one's going to say that's too harsh. Who? He cracked open a woman's skull. He knocked her unconscious. He's in court right now. He's going to go to a criminal trial for battery. What the fuck else does he have to Does there have to be a fucking body for someone to get kicked out of the goddamn sport? doesn't make any fucking sense. How is all you're discussing a two-year ban? And that's it. That's fucking it. He gets to become a millionaire on your dime again after this, as long as it's two years. That's the magic fucking number we care about. God. And I'm sorry, because I know you don't have anything to say to this, because obviously you hate it, too. And I'm, I'm not putting you in a little yeah. position here, but God, it's, I... it's it's not even that you're putting me in a position. It's just the more we discuss this, the more we get heated, the more we, well, not even the more we get heated, because we have every right and we should be getting heated over this. But at some point, I don't want this to turn into both of us just losing our tops over this even though we in all right should be and then losing the message that this is outrageous because of fandom or because of temper or because of anything other than the fact that what he did is criminal and disgusting and losing the focus on this isn't a Trevor Bauer case this is a person case and 
treating it as anything other than a, again, systematic issue is ridiculous. And I know that's exactly what you're arguing, that the MLB has never once decided to take the high road and do things proactively. It really honestly makes me want to watch sports less. I just don't care enough about baseball to give in to this kind of behavior and allowing this stuff to continue. I I certainly appreciate the significantly more level-headed response. That is what I can always count on you for. Um, And you're, you're right, man. I mean, if, if he, for some reason, is his name is not blacklisted and he's able to come back into the sport in two years. And like you said, this isn't really about him so much as it is this current rant anyway, and it is about MLB and their absolute inability to do anything close to the right thing. Um, but for, let's put all that to the side for the moment. Now let's say he's allowed to come back into the league. He's for whatever reason, not blacklisted and the uh, Yankees signed him, which would be a shock. I said, no one in South Jersey or wherever would go to the Mets stadium or front office and, you know, pick it over institutional issues. So, I mean, some might because they're local and, you know, drunk driving is obviously very serious, but uh, the time commitments, the geographical uh, obstacles to overcome, especially when dealing with things like New York city traffic would make it very challenging. This I absolutely would. (laughs) I absolutely would. I would drive my ass to the Bronx every single day after work. I absolutely would. This is ridiculous. And we shouldn't have to be put in this position. I, I, it's, it's enraging to the point of tears. It is fucking ridiculous. And uh, we should probably, we're going to have to leave it for time's sake and for our own sanity. But oh my God, when I saw that that was it, I was floored. And there were some people saying it was harsh. How is that harsh? His, if he goes to jail, his prison sentence might be longer than that. That's how ridiculous it is. He has a right to be a person, I guess. He does not have a right to play baseball. That should be the thing that goes yeah. away for longer. Mm-hmm. Regardless, again, there's, we'll there's absolutely the nothing that should be considered harsh about this. And absolutely nothing that should be taken as anything other than what it is, which is utter filth, disgusting, and criminal. <sighs> all right, all right, we're we're winding ourselves down. I'm winding myself down here anyway. We're we're gonna do it. We're gonna we're gonna find hmm. some inner peace. We're gonna try to end on a on a moment of levity, lightness. Um, pride i guess we could say so it's, it's going to be a tough transition especially with the time but bear with me here because we're, we are, we're going to end on a happy note damn it i insist upon it now corwin it is september 1st as we're recording this 2021 yes, and is. do you know yes, what happened in baseball history on september 1st 1971 50 years ago today Today, September 1st, 1971, the Pittsburgh Pirates fielded the first ever all non-white starting lineup. 
which is astonishing for a couple of reasons. For one, it almost feels soon after integration, and it Mm -hmm. also feels like an eternity after integration. And for real quick, first, here, here is the actual lineup. Leading off that day was second baseman Rennie Stennett. Following him, batting second was center fielder Gene Kleins. Batting third was right fielder, a name we might well know and love, Mr. Baseball himself, Roberto Clemente. Number four, left fielder, another fucking all-star, Willie Stargell. Number five, catcher, Manny Sanguien. Third baseman was batting sixth, Dave Cash. Batting seventh was first baseman, Al Oliver. The shortstop, Jackie Hernandez, was batting eighth. And Corwin Heller, ya boy, pitching that day, batting ninth, Mr. LSD, Doc Ellis. (laughs) Uh, What a lineup. That is, first off, that is a killer lineup um, full of a lot of the coolest players in baseball history. Now, Willie Stargell oozed cool in the 70s, and even his pictures still just drip it down the fucking sides. Now, he was such a cool player from my understanding, not having been alive at that point. But uh, even from what you could consume on YouTube and from the history books, he seems like one of the coolest cats to ever dance on the field. But uh, this is also it. it it's really a, a big deal. Uh, you know, there's a there, there's a there's a Ruth Bader Ginsburg quote from she was asked once uh, something to the effect. I, I don't have it in front of me because I really thought I could do this from memory. But she was asked something to the effect of when do you think there will be enough women on the Supreme Court? And she said when there was when there when there are nine. There are nine currently nine mm-hmm. members of the Supreme Court. And her rationale was at one point in time, there were nine men. So there's seemingly no reason why at another point in time, there couldn't be nine women. Women are perfectly capable of doing this job. And yeah, that very much so extends, I think, to all walks of life as we try to patch this nation or various aspects of it up from its horrifying pasts and that includes baseball with its integration and having this non-white lineup is a big measure for that obviously this didn't solve any major issues this is not the end-all be-all this is not to say that once jackie robinson came up there was no more racism in baseball because if you think about it it took like 25 years for this to happen after he came up and that's pretty fucking sad um mm-hmm. but this is still something to be celebrated it's still a a a, a cool bit of trivia it's great to see from a historically great baseball franchise and baseball city for Pittsburgh, uh, Pittsburgh, which was home to the Homestead Grays and the Pittsburgh Crawfords, two of the the, the big time um, Negro League teams, and it's another good moment of representation in the sport, which I think can never be understated the importance of. Man, I just thinking about it, I would give so much money to be able to watch that game. And even if it was just a boring one nothing game, those guys would just be so cool to see in person. Yeah, right? Oh my god. I mean that team just Stargle, seems Roberto cool. Clemente, Doc Ellis. Are you kidding me? Right? That is a killer fucking lineup. Now Corbin Heller, the other yes fun part about this game 
is that the Pirates won. <laughs> they beat what? the Phillies 10 to 7. So that lineup I don't ended up going, you. right? That lineup ended up going 13 for 33 uh, with three walks five, and five strikeouts. Uh, I'm trying to see, do we have any home runs? Yeah, Manny, Manny Senguien hit uh, a home run off of Bucky Brandon, and I think that was it. We got a double from Willie Stargell, a double from Al Oliver, and a double from Gene Kleins. Um, yeah, I mean, this they, they, they and not only was this, this some fun fact that I think would lose maybe a tad bit of its luster if they, like, got shut out 6 nothing, but this, this lineup – came out and also dropped a fucking 10 spot on the fills uh, to, to win the game and put the pirates 26 games over 500 on the season. Huh. Over <laughs> you said, or under over. Oh, that is the surprising answer. Yeah. Right. So Jesus. this is a, it's a cool moment, man. It's a cool moment. All right, buddy. Uh, I know we're yes, pressed sir. for time here, so I guess we might as well uh, get moving and wrapping up. Do you have anything to add before we uh, skedaddle out of here? Um, I'm sure there will be plenty of discussion for NFL free agency on Sunday. Um, some big names signed, cut, whatever is in between, you know. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm set. Who do you think the next team we're going to have? will uh, we'll have the next, uh, all non-white lineup. Um, honestly, I can't imagine it's going to be a far off, you know, moment. Um, couldn't even tell you, couldn't even come up with a guess. It's, it's, Gotta be the Mariners, right? Most likely. Um, I mean, Kyle Seeger's pretty close to retirement. He's basically already being replaced by Abraham Toro. Yeah. Um, I mean, Jared Kellenek would probably be the biggest piece in the way of that in the future, but at his rate, it might be a few years before he gets called up. I don't know. Actually, you know, it would probably be the biggest barrier to this happening again in the future is the complete dearth of black catchers right now. Mm. I don't think there's a single one in the majors. I don't actually I don't think there has been for a number of years. Which we've talked about in the past, and I just I blanked on until you know this exact moment. Mm. Yeah. I'm assuming we're not gonna count. Latin players who are, by all means, black to some extent. Actually, no, we I could. Get, sorry, I, I was that. thinking black specifically, but I did say uh, non-white, which I think is the real, um, which is a, a, a challenge in of itself in, in today's game. But there are a, a significant number of Latin catchers, which should certainly count for something. Who's, yeah, yeah. I mean, Yadi Molino, uh, Yanni Chirinos, the, the Ramos brothers. Yeah, there's plenty. We'll have to keep an eye out for it. We'll have to keep an eye out for the next time this happens. Salvador Perez. 
who is having a monster season for um, a guy who is probably going to end the year with like under three war. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of hilarious. That is how it goes. He's going to have a Rugnet Odor style season where he hits like 30. Oh, wow. He has four and a half war. I had no idea. Hmm. Good for you, Sal. All right. Anyway, I'm holding you. So let's get on out of here. Uh, like Corwin said, we'll have a ton of football stuff to talk about. A lot of cuts happened recently, so we'll get into that another time. If you want to follow, in the meantime, if you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at Juice and Pod. If you'd like to hit up Corwin on Twitter, you can do so at Corwin Helen. If you'd like to follow myself on Twitter, you can do so at Joshua D. Tracy. If you'd like to send emails to the show, you can do so at Juice and the Numbers at gmail.com. And until Monday, y'all have a good one. Bye.